is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I ask, how do you measure progress? Welcome in. We are live here on this Thursday. Appreciate you joining us. A lot to do, obviously. Braves take a loss yesterday, but all is not lost. Uh, we have plenty of Falcons news to get to as well, plus some big news in the NBA. All that coming up and more right here on A to Z. Give us a follow on Twitter. At Locked On ATL, of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Subscribe to the YouTube channel as well, Locked On ATL. Give a like and a thumbs up to all the content there. All right. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to move on from this Kyle Pitts discussion. Uh, and yet I keep getting sucked back into it because it has been all the rage this week uh, as the Falcons get ready for the Seahawks. And what's what's somewhat alarming um, as the Falcons get ready for the Seahawks, and, and, and no one's really talking about this, I guess, is I don't know if it feels like a must win, but damn it, it feels like a must win. I mean, objectively, if I am like Falcons brass and Falcons ownership and everything else, and I am looking at the season where it is right now, going, man, if we can't get a win this week, we might be staring 0-7 in the face. Now, Cleveland, you know, obviously is a winnable. The next two games are winnable. Cleveland, if the Jets can go out and beat Cleveland uh, at home in Cleveland, then the Falcons could certainly beat Cleveland at home. But after that, Tampa Bay, San Fran, and Cincinnati, who knows if Cincinnati will turn it around. But, you know, it, it's very feasible that if they don't win this one or the next one, Bagel could be staring them for the first half of the season. And that is not a place that you want to be period. No, I know fans will say, hey, draft pick, draft pick, draft pick. Yeah, I, I get all that. Draft pick, draft pick, draft pick. But, you know, you, you're not ever going to be able to uh, sell people on the idea that progress is being made when you're 0-8. And speaking of progress, because I continue to hear this whole thing come up about Kyle Pitts, and Arthur Smith again yesterday was asked to address it. Uh, in reference to him not getting enough targets. And I thought he gave a very good answer. He explained it simply that he is the primary target on a good percentage of plays. As yesterday we pointed out, 50% of them, as a matter of fact. And Smith just said, quote, the ball will find him. He's going to break out here again, and we're going to win because of it. Okay. But I asked the question on my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno, and I was curious what people's thought was going to be or what their their reaction would be. Like, what's a better sign of progress for the Falcons as they head into, you know, the third game of the year? Would you rather see them target Kyle Pitts 12 times, him have eight receptions for 100 yards in a loss? Or would you see, rather see him targeted four times, two receptions for 43 yards and a win? Because I'm really curious what people are measuring as progress. Winning games is the ultimate sign of progress. And I've said repeatedly, this is not about winning games for them. It's not. But let's just put everything in the right context. And the right context is that in order to get better, you have to win games, right? Like in order to get better, you have to be able to take steps forward to make yourself better. And I don't know how much 
people are understanding what a rebuild looks like and what it what it's supposed to look like. Because in reality, the Falcons never really had a rebuild. You know, they reset after firing Mike Smith and got right back into, you know, 500 and, eight and Dan Quinn's first year at 8-8 eight and, eight and Super Bowl next year. So they never really had a had a full-on rebuild to do, especially since they maintained stability at the quarterback position. But that said, again, how are you measuring progress here? Because as much as the focus is on Kyle Pitts, and I, I understand it to a certain extent, why is nobody asking about anybody else in reference to progress? Arnold Katie was the, was the second overall draft pick you took this year, the second-round draft pick you took this year. The guy's got five tackles on the year and one sack. Is that good for a rookie? Is that bad? I, I don't know. What about D'Angelo Malone and Troy Anderson? They have a combined four tackles through two games. That's nine tackles between the three of them. For reference, Adi Ogundeji has nine tackles and a sack by himself. And not to disrespect Ogundeji, but he's not some, you know, huge high-level player that, that, you know, changes the game. And yet he's got the same exact stats as the three of those guys that were helped, drafted to help turn around this defense. So, again, what is your measure of progress is the question I ask. I think we need to recalibrate the compass once again about this team. More on that in a moment. First, a word from my friends at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Uh, find all news about all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Of course, they have great content about every single sport and every single game within those sports. Obviously, NFL, college football, the ruling roost right now. But Major League Baseball coming down to the end of their season and the playoff hunt. You'll get news about the upcoming NBA, NHL seasons, combat sports, esports, even golf. President Cup kicks off this weekend. So Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. From live in-game betting scores and podcasts, they've got you covered with every single bit of that information. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. The game starts with the Atlanta Falcons on Sunday in Seattle. And again, I think we need to recalibrate our compass about what's important. You know, I think it's important to look for overall improvements in major areas, not just getting Kyle Pitts the ball. Again, guys, I can't stress enough how much I hammered this throughout the entire offseason about Kyle Pitts' target share and what it needs to be, about Kyle Pitts and how much he needs to be a major part of this team, right? Okay, I, 100%. I'm not backing off that. But watching what I've watched through the first two games, I look at a team that has had to adjust on the fly based off of the fact that sometimes the defense gets a say. And what defenses are doing are locking down on pits. Now, you could argue that I don't care if they lock down on them, throwing the ball anyway, because I had one fellow media member tell me if this was Julio Jones, that Everybody would be up in arms. You draft a guy for it to get him the ball, not run around and get cardio. I don't disagree with that statement on its premise. But what I disagree with is, do you want Mariota to force the ball when he's not very accurate and it's not going to be two high-level completions, and then you have just constant three and outs and punting the football and everything else? Or 
do you want him to do what most people would consider the smart thing and look off of Pitts and get it to an open receiver? I, I can tell you there's arguments for both, but still, if you want to blame somebody for the lack of Kyle Pitts' target share, there's only one person to blame, and that's Mariota. And I don't even know that blame is the right word because, again, they are, he is making the right choice. I mean, I get it. You don't question Tom Brady when he checks it down to Scotty Miller in Tampa Bay because he's Tom Brady. I get it. Marcus Mariota isn't Tom Brady. But either you have to concede that he's making the smart play or if he's not going to force the ball into pits, then be willing to live with the fact that the, that the punter may be the most dangerous weapon on the Falcons. Like, that, that's, that's the trade-off. All things considered, this team is not last in any offensive categories, not even running the football. So if that is the case, and they are showing progress in areas like that, I go back to the first question I asked you. How do you measure progress? I'm looking at a team that's like 15th or 16th, maybe 17th overall. I got I can't count the numbers right here. In, uh, in overall offense, I mean, rushing yards per game, the Falcons are top 10 through two games. Who would the ever hell would have thought it? Guys, only one football. If you're running the ball, you know it doesn't have it in his hands, Kyle Pitts. Period. You know, passing offense, probably a little bit lower than you'd like. Bottom third, it looks like. But again, overall, points per game. Top 10, 26 and a half. Progress, guys. You got to, I'm not being all Pollyanna here, but you got to look for things a little bit differently and see where things are. I really hope I can put this Kyle Pitts thing to bed by tomorrow as we get ready for a football Friday. All right, coming up next, uh, there could be a major power shift in the NBA uh, and the Braves lose yesterday, but all not lost for them. That's next right here on ADZ on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. You search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Guys, we're on Roku TV now. If you have an Amazon Fire Stick, uh, check out Roku TV. You'll see Locked On Sports Atlanta there every single day. All the Locked On family of networks as well. And every show here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. A to Z, hitting hard with John Chuckery. ATL Day 1's Jarvis Davis and Tanisha Batiste. Of course, our Braves postcast as well as Locked On Falcons and Locked On Hawks. All right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. So make sure you guys check out us, check us out rather on Roku TV on the Amazon Fire Stick. All right, we'll get to the Braves coming up here um, and their loss yesterday. But a Woj bomb dropped last night. Um, a very, what I like to call an inert Woj bomb dropped last night because it was vague as hell. Uh, it was probably around 1130 at night, um, somewhere in that range, 11, 1130 at night, when... Adrian Wojnarowski tweeted out, Boston Celtics coach Ami Adoka is facing, a poss- is facing possible disciplinary action, including a significant suspension for an unspecified violation of organizational guidelines. Discussions are ongoing with the Celtics on a final determination. The hell does that mean nobody had any clue at the time? It was like a Woj bomb that never exploded. Disciplinary action, significant suspension, unspecified violation, organizational guidelines. It's a whole lot of vague-ish, right, going on there. Well, you get up this morning and you come to find out that what is happening is uh, is that he is 
being at least accused of or at least facing disciplinary action for what they are deeming as a consensual and intimate relationship with a woman who's a member of the Celtics staff. Now, some of the background here, if you're not following, um, is that Ami Adoka is currently in a relationship with the actress Nia Long, uh, and they have a child together, but uh, they are not married. Didn't make it that what you will. Uh, Nia Long is, is uh, if you don't know who she is, and I, I knew the name, but I had to kind of look her up a little bit, but um, she goes all the way back to Boys in the Hood. Um, you know, she Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, she was on there as well. Very beautiful woman for the record, by the way. Uh, neither here nor there. Nonetheless, I don't think that's really germane to the story, so I apologize. But I, I find her attractive. What do you want me to do? So that said, uh, here's the thing. The Celtics, at least are reporting now from Woj, that it's going to be an entire year-long suspension for Aimee Udoka, um, for his conduct. And for all those people out there who are focusing on the word consensual, um, that's fine. You, you, can, you can have that argument if you like. But the reason that he is being punished for this more than anything is simply about one word, folks. One simple word. Tell you what that word is in a minute. First, the word from my friends at Coffee AM. Yeah, you knew I was going to do that, didn't you? Coffee AM, one of the best small batch coffee roasters in America, and it's right here in Georgia. Why are they so good? Because their coffee is so fresh. It's roasted and shipped on the same day, very close to it. So when that box arrives at your house, it's going to smell fresh, but it tastes even fresher. And these are coffees from around the world. They only roast the current freshest crops out there. But again, you're talking about coffees from Tanzania, Sumatra, Costa Rica, Colombia, Kenya, Wherever you can think of in the world that makes coffee, Coffee AM has it. So here's what you do. You go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on and check out the full menu of coffees, teas, and gift sets. Coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use the coupon code locked on at checkout. You'll get 15% off your first order of those coffees, teas, and gift sets. Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America, and they're right here in Georgia. All right, the one word that this is about here is about judgment. It is all about decision-making ability. It is all about your, your, your ability as a leader to decipher right from wrong and making smart decisions. That's why he's being punished. Because in reality, I don't think anybody in the business world, whether it's professional sports or anywhere else, gives a rip what you do with your home life. I don't know many people who do. Unless you are in the religious business. Um, the idea of morality has, has very little to do with your ability to do your job. Although, even in my line of work, there are morals, clauses, and things of that nature. Nobody wants you to the misrepresent the company. But Aimee Adoka didn't do anything to shame the Boston Celtics. He did something to shame his, his, his partner and his child. But that's for him to deal with. That's not for the Celtics to deal with. They can go out and play basketball and go in the Eastern Conference and go to the NBA Finals. Nothing to do. Who, who Ami Adoka is being intimate with has nothing to do with that. And most people agree with that. But the fact that it's consensual doesn't mean that Udoka didn't make a bad decision. Why? One, you never crap where you eat. That's number one. 
Don't screw around with people at work, folks. It never, ever, 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 ever when ends well. Just doesn't. Ask Bill Clinton. There you go. Enough said. Don't screw around with people at work. Because not only are you making a bad judgment about the clarity of doing your own job, it's affecting somebody else's ability to do their own job. Now you have a ripple effect without the entire organization. But that's number one. But number two, in a certain sense, you're putting your own personal needs in front of that of the organization, and no business is going to be okay with that. That's not what businesses are in business for. Aimee Odoka chose his personal needs over that of the organization. And you had to know, you had to know, nobody at work is going to condone this. If somehow you managed to keep it outside, of, look, and again, if Aimee Odoka was, was messing around on Nia Long with somebody outside of work, if he was messing around with somebody in the Boston Bruins organization, or the Boston Red Sox organization, no one cares. No one in the Celtics cares. But you chose somebody within the ranks, and it's always going to be a problem. So consensual has nothing to do with this. This is about judgment. This is about decision-making. And it's about leadership. How can Aimee Adoka look one of his players in the eyes after making a decision on the court and tell him, you made a bad decision, without that player sitting there thinking, go, yeah, pal, so did you. At least I'm not sleeping with my coworkers. You, you, you seed the high ground when you make a decision like this. And that's what you can't have. You can't have leaders be questioned on their judgment and their decision-making ability. Everything fails. Trust me, guys. It fails in combat. It fails in politics. It fails in sports. You cannot have anybody questioning the decision-making ability of the leadership because that will reverberate throughout the ranks at the highest levels. And all the way down to the lowest levels, for that matter. The guy in the damn practice squad, you know, is going to sit there and look sideways at Ami Udoka when he gets yelled at by him. And he's thinking, this guy's yelling at me. Look what this clown just did to his kid and his partner. You, you, that's what you can't do. And that's what this is about. And that's why they're punishing him. Now, here's the real rub, because here's my guess as to what happens. My guess to what happens is, is that they will, they will end up in a mutual parting of ways, right? Mutual parting of ways. And you know what's going to happen? Some other team is going to snatch him right up. They're going to dump their coach immediately, and the Hawks should even look at this guy. I'm not even kidding. Snatch him right up. Because you know what? He didn't mess around with anybody in the Hawks organization, and nobody should care. Because he's a hell of a basketball coach. And he's going to go somewhere else. Someone's going to pick him up. He's going to go somewhere else. And guess what? He's going to win. He's going to win. Because he's a good coach. He'll get a fresh start, a somewhat clean slate, for the most part, in another city, in another town, where nobody really gives a rip. And if you start winning games, people will forget real fast. That's how I think this plays out. I have a hard time believing he's going to sit for a year and then come back in 2023-24 to start coaching again for the Boston Celtics, especially when somebody else might hire him right now. Period. I mean, it'd be a ballsy move for an organization to dump their head coach right before training camp, but yeah, would not shock me. My guess is he's probably coached his last game on the sidelines for the Celtics. Just my guess. We'll find out. 
All right, coming up next, we'll head out some shovels of wisdom. Braves lose, but all is not lost as they set up for the big series next week with the Mets. That's next right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Final segment of A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube. Wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ATL. I'm at Mark Zino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget, we're on Roku TV now. Get that Amazon Fire Stick out. Get to Locked On Sports Atlanta right on Roku TV every single day. Right now, time for a shovel of wisdom. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the shovel of wisdom. Yeah, you know how we do it every day. I set somebody straight, whack them upside the head for saying you're doing something stupid. And we do so right here on A to Z. You can do so on my Twitter account. Use the hashtag shovel of wisdom. And today my shovel goes to an unnamed University of Utah student. Yeah, well, it's unnamed because the report didn't name the student. But a Utah student was arrested uh, for making, quote, terroristic threats as this 21-year-old uh, decided to make terroristic threats and post the violence on the Yik Yak app before the Utes game against San Diego State, threatening, quote, if the football team did not win the game, she was going to detonate the nuclear reactor that is located in the University of Utah, causing mass destruction. <laughs> Police note in their affidavit, that the student does have knowledge of the nuclear reactor and is aware of where the reactor is located and attends class in the same building where the reactor is housed. Thankfully, Utah beat San Diego State 35-7, to camerizing, I think, through four touchdowns. And the 21-year-old is now booked in the Salt Lake County Jail for investigation of making a threat of terrorism. Uh, hey, stupid. Don't be stupid. This was stupid, and you're stupid, and don't be stupid. I think that's really all I need to say on that. As far as Scum said, that's all I got to say about that. That's it. Uh, all right, on to baseball and some baseball notes here. Uh, as the Braves lose uh, their final game of their series with the Nationals, five-game win streak snapped. Uh, you could argue there was some questionable decisions made by Brian Snitker in the bullpen. I'm not going to argue that. Why? Because it was a game started by Bryce Elder. Um, you know, Jesse Chavez comes in and uh, gives up a two-run bomb, and that was ultimately the difference. I'm, again, I'm not going to argue. Snitker's always had erratic bullpen decisions. More of them have worked out than not. The ones that don't is what we focus on. Again, and and look at that as a an issue. This was not exactly a high-leverage game or a high-leverage situation. Sure, they were up by one uh, in the seventh inning, but, you know, for what it's worth, too, they had a chance to tie it. Uh, in the eighth inning, but some base running blunders cost them. So nonetheless, they, they lose the game again. Guys, if you're complaining about Brian Snitker and his bullpen management, I get it's still frustrating, and you're going to hate it, but you just got to live with it. I mean, I, I, a lot of fan bases live with the fact that their manager isn't the best uh, bullpen manager. That, that, that comes out often. So all that aside, fortunately – the Mets lose their final game to the Milwaukee Brewers as well, snapping their six-game win streak. So they get shut out 6 nothing. Now the Mets head out to Oakland. Uh, they have a day off today, so the Braves can get a half game. But they have a day off today, and then uh, they will head out to Oakland, and then they'll get another day off and play a two-game series against Miami 
before coming to Truist Park. Again, we know the Braves, four in Philly, three in Washington before their day off, and a uh, a chance to uh, take on the Mets for three. And the Mets right now slated for the series with the Braves have their top three going. Bassett in game one, DeGrom in game two, Scherzer in game three. Uh, right now, the Braves have slided right, slated for Wright, Morton, and what will be Spencer Strider's turn. Now, Spencer Strider's turn is actually his first turn. It's supposed to become Monday in D.C. against the Nats. We'll see if he takes that or they hold him out a little bit longer and what they decide to do. But if he doesn't make that start, chances are he won't start against the Mets, period. So I would assume that he will start and maybe be extra cautious and only work him five innings and get him the heck out of Dodge, regardless of the situation, because they want him gamed and ready for that Mets series. So uh, that's where we are right now with the Braves. I don't think anything of it as, you know, all that uh, uh, shocking to see how this thing is going to unfold, especially with the Strider and the oblique and everything else. So just see how they treat it. Um, one more note, baseball related, because this conversation has been floating around and it's one that I've had many times throughout my career. I still don't get it. I never will get it. Um, but I guess I am, I am different than everybody else. <laughs> So Aaron Judge hits his 60th home run, and the fan gives the ball back, got some autographs, bats, pictures, and everything else. And there were a lot of people online consternating about, oh, I would have held on to it. I would have sold it, this, that, and the other. I, I mean, I understand the ball is monetary value. I understand you can make monetary value off it. I understand the amount of money you'd make off the ball is pennies compared to what Aaron Judge is going to make in free agency this year. I get all that. Still, for me, Nothing feels right about keeping that ball. I mean, it just doesn't. You know, I mean, as a player too, like I, I put the shoe on the other foot. If I had just hit 60 and I'm Aaron Judge, do I want the ball? Yeah, I do. I do. It's pretty damn historic. I'd love to have it. I'd love to have it in my trophy case and maybe pass it along to my kids or whatever else. And, you know, I mean, same thing. I have a bunch of medals that I earned for my time in combat. Maybe one day I'll pass them on to my kids. They're not worth any money to anybody else. Nobody wants them. But my point simply being, those are things that I would want. If I was judge, I would want the 60th home run ball. If I had caught the ball, I would give it back to him. Do I think somebody's wrong for asking for something in return for it? No, because it takes five minutes for Aaron Judge to sign a couple of bats and balls and everything else. Now, if you want to get greedy and ask for like season tickets, you know, on the field, five rows off, I suppose that's not totally unfair, but in the same respect, are you being a little greedy? I feel like you are, but again, I'm different than everybody else. Some people feel like they're entitled to the idea that, Hey, look, if you're going to be giving out stuff for this, this is what I want. And it's okay to ask for that sort of stuff. The worst they could do is tell you no, but part, you know, part of me would be like, you know, I'd want a picture with the guarantee that I could mail it and judge would sign the picture of us together saying something like, Hey, thanks for being part of, of history of baseball history with me, you know, Aaron judge like that to me, I would love to have in my basement framed, you know, along with some other memento of the whole thing. I, I just find more value in it than that. I, I understand I'm, I'm different than anybody else. A lot of you out there watching this and listening, going, Zeno, you're an idiot. Get as much money as you can. And sure. He probably could sell the ball for a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, without being pompous, $100,000 isn't really life-changing that much anymore. 
like sure it'll get you out of some debt and everything, but it's not like altering the course. You're not moving into a different tax bracket for what you're going to make off that ball. That's even if you're going to make a hundred thousand. And oh, by the way, if you do make a hundred thousand, you got to pay taxes on that legally. So you could try to skirt that, but you know, 87,000 new IRS agents could find you. So that's neither here nor there. That said, again, I don't know that it's all that much life-changing money that for me, I'd rather have the experience, you know, um, I, I, and that's the other thing too, I would do is I would ask for an experience for my kids. Like, Hey, can, can we get future tickets to a game to be on the field and meet with Aaron, you know, so my kids can get a picture with him. But again, I think some of these guys are singles. They don't, they don't think about stuff like that. Like they don't, you know, they're, they're at a different stage of their life. So that, that would never cross their mind. It crossed my mind. That's that I would ask for an experience in return. Something that you'll never forget. But like I said, I'm different. And by the way, if you're rooting against judge to hit 62, I hate you. I do. I genuinely do. <laughs> it has nothing to do with being a Yankee fan. This is still one of the coolest things in my sports lifetime. It's going to go completely underrated, by the way, in the big picture of things because of everything else that we've seen recently between the greatness of Brady, LeBron, you know, again, other other guys like Jeter and, and, and uh, players out there have done amazing things. This is going to, especially with Bonds and McGuire and Sosa and all those guys, you know, juicing up and hitting all the home runs in it. This isn't really going to hold that same level of, of effect. But this is the best non-steroid-aided season we've seen in 60 years, easily. And it's never getting that kind of credit. So make it that what you will. All right, that'll do it for us here on this Thursday. Tomorrow, Football Friday, we'll get into some picks, look towards the weekend, give you some of my best plays, and we'll preview Falcons, Seahawks, all coming up right here. On A to Z. Appreciate you guys stopping by. Remember, give us a follow on Twitter at Locked on ATL. Matt Mark Zeno, M A R K Z I N N O. Check us out on Roku TV every single day on your Amazon Fire Stick. You guys have a wonderful Thursday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya.